The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook Podcast for the month of September is Zero Mile Mark. Zero Mile Mark is a veteran-owned company that strives to offer high-quality, active, outdoor sports gear. They are on mission to get people outdoors by offering an array of products like tents, backpacks, hammocks, sleeping bags, lighting, and more. All sales have a 30-day warranty and ship via two-day shipping to 97% of the United States. And get this deal. For a limited time only, listeners can head over to ZeroMileMark.com and take advantage of their free tent promotion. Yes, you heard that right. If you'll get online, add any item into the shopping cart that exceeds $30, a tent will appear automatically for $0. It's a free tent, easy checkout, and fast shipping. And guys, I have this tent. I also have a backpack from there and can testify it's great quality. It's a real deal. And Brian, the owner, is a really cool guy. I want you guys to get some stuff, get some products, get this free tent, and get outdoors. Enjoy your life. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 61. I want to talk to you today about the pastor and sobriety of mind. Let's pray. Lord, we need wisdom. As always, we need wisdom and guidance as we think about your word and as we seek to live out the implications of the gospel in our life. We have been changed, forgiven, set free, adopted, and now sent on mission. And so help us as men to live according to your word, to submit to you. And as we talk about sobriety of mind, help our minds to be trained and to grow in sobriety. Help us to understand that. And as I work through this, give us ears to hear and just help us today. And I trust that you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, sobriety of mind. 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded. That's what I want to talk to you about today. What does it mean to be sober-minded? I think you've experienced, probably in your life, two different kinds of men, at least. There's several different kinds, I guess we could say, but you've experienced guys that have been sober-minded, and then you've been around men who have not been sober-minded. And you can tell the difference. There's a big difference. Let me give you an example, help you see what I'm talking about. Let's just talk about theological topics. You know the type of person that you can sit down and talk with who will not lose their mind on issues they disagree with. For instance, you could sit down and talk to somebody about soteriology, and you could talk about a Calvinistic perspective and an Arminian perspective to salvation and the understanding of how a person becomes a Christian. And the sober-minded man can sit down with you, and he can think about scriptures, look at and examine the Bible, and talk in such a way, even if we disagree, that it's clear that he's not angry with you. He can look at God's Word and simply talk about it. He can look at passages and think through them and process and then explain to you why he believes what he believes about a particular topic. And soteriology is one of those areas that people typically lose their minds. So the sober-minded man can talk about Calvinism, Arminianism, specifically in the areas of soteriology, and not lose their mind. The man who lacks sobriety of mind can't even go there. 
because he's so emotionally driven. The man who lacks sobriety of mind cannot talk about biblical passages that his preconceived notions, traditions, or just simply what he's comfortable with. Soteriology is one of those points that divide the men and women who have sobriety of mind and those who don't. Eschatology would be an example of something else that reveals sobriety of mind. The man who is so dogmatic on his eschatology that he can't even handle a different perspective or thinks that amillennialism or, or postmillennialism is, is absolutely crazy or the postmillennialist who is so dogmatic about their partial preterism that they look at every dispensationalist and think, wow, you're an idiot. That's a man that lacks sobriety of mind. Eschatology is another one of those points of theology where it reveals itself. Okay, do you have the ability to sit down and and talk about theological matters in a generous way? And what I want to call you to is what the Bible demands of those in the pastorate, and that's sobriety of mind. The man who lacks sobriety of mind, he doesn't have any understanding of what is central and what is peripheral, because to him, everything is central. The one who lacks sobriety of mind demands that everybody agree with him because he's right on everything. And when anybody questions, not just his perspective, he thinks they're questioning him personally. And so the challenge for all of us as pastors, anybody who's who's called to this work, is that we would walk in clear-mindedness, that we would not be foggy when it comes to our thinking, that our mind would be sharp, it would be clear, and we would know proportionately what's a big deal and what isn't a big deal. And we've all seen this. There's an episode in in Parks and Recreation, where Andy Dwyer has a dog, a three-legged dog, and, and Chris Traeger comes to him and he says, get that dog outside, it can't be in City Hall. And Andy Dwyer says back, and shoot it? His response is disproportionate to the request from Chris Traeger. If you haven't seen Parks and Rec, well, I feel sorry for you, you probably should start watching it. Start with season two, because season one is a wash. But but that scene reveals clearly what I'm talking about. Chris Traeger just says, hey, bring that dog outside, and and... Chris Pratt's character says, and shoot it, because he doesn't have sobriety of mind. And that's what happens when a man doesn't have sobriety of mind. He doesn't understand proportionally what anybody's talking about, and therefore he makes himself look really, really strange and really, really peculiar regularly. So I want you to think clearly, to think rightly. Another area that reveals lack of sobriety of mind is the area of church discipline. Several years ago, I was at a church, and I was working through an issue with somebody, and and somebody had actually came and, and did something very wrong to me. And, and so I wanted to approach the situation in, in a Matthew 18 sort of manner. And I was told that Matthew 18, by a man who knew better, apparently, than Jesus, that Matthew 18 did not actually work, that that pushes people further away. This is a man that was supposed to be in a position of authority. And what that showed me is that man lacked what First Timothy 3 commanded. He didn't have that because he thought he knew better than the Bible. He actually thought he knew better than God. And if we just call things what they are in issues like that, you've probably been in situations before like that where men think they know better and so they diminish or push down God's word or ignore something for the sake of pragmatism. And a man who does that and churches who do that are clearly revealing that they have no business being in the pastorate. And they either need to repent and get what 1 Timothy 3 commands us to get, or they just simply need to step away and be removed because they're just not an elder. They just don't have sobriety of mind. Any man who thinks he knows better than God's word through pragmatism or I know how life really works, the world really works, and it's different than what God has to say is a man who simply doesn't have what God commands and and God calls us to have if we're going to be men who are shepherding the flock of God among us. 
And then how, how do we, if we lack sobriety of mind, or say we're young men and we're trying to, to grow and, and everything to us is a close-handed issue and everything is up for debate, everything's on the table, we got to fight about everything, how do we grow our minds to be more sober-minded, more stable? Well, I think it's clear that the more we lean into God's Word, I really think this is clear, the more we lean into God's Word and the sufficiency of the Scriptures, the more sober-minded we are going to be. When we look at the life of Jesus, when we study the scriptures, when we get into God's word and hear and receive from him, we know what's a big deal and what isn't a big deal. And we can approach soteriology and we can see it as a serious matter, but we can also have a clear-minded approach to conversations with people who are different than us. We can sit down and talk to somebody about eschatology and not lose our minds. We can have a person approach us who has a different perspective on something than us, open up their Bibles with them and walk through it with them and maybe actually change. Because after all, we want to be more biblical, don't we? I do. And so the man who lacks sobriety of mind is a man who's never going to change. He only wants to change everybody else. But a man who has sobriety of mind is a man who's willing to be more biblical because we're, we're submitting to the word. We want to be faithful to the word. And so that's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to run. And then practically, what does this look like? What does sobriety of mind look like in the life of a man? Now, I'm going to appeal to a book that I've read that is, I think, really helpful in describing what a healthy man looks like. And I'm going to read two excerpts from this and then just challenge you and just ask you, is this what you want to be? Because I think as you read this, you kind of read what an elder is supposed to be, what, a, what we want to be as men. And what we want to grow into. And not just grow into when we're 50 and 60 and 70 years old, but I want to, as much as I can possibly do, and you can't speed up the process of sanctification in the sense that, you know, you can skip what the decades hold for you. You can't do that. You can't, you know, you can't hyperspeed sanctification. But we can, by the grace of God, today become more and more godly men. We can grow in this sobriety of mind thing. Here's what I'm talking about. In a book where this gentleman's describing growth in the mas- what he calls the masculine journey, he describes the difference between a king and a sage or an expert and a wise, godly man who has sobriety of mind. And here's what he says. The sage, on the other hand, communes with God, an existence entirely different and utterly superior to the life of the expert. Whatever counsel he offers, he draws you to God, not to self-reliance. Oh yes, the sage has wisdom gleaned from years of experience, and that wisdom is one of his great offerings. But he has learned not to lean upon wisdom, knowing that God often is asking of us things that seem counterintuitive, and thus his wisdom and expertise are fully submitted to his God. Humility might be one of the great dividing lines between the expert and the sage, but the sage doesn't think he is one. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 26.12. Thus, we may not know we have a sage at the table, for he will remain silent while the experts prattle on and on. The experts, oh, they impress. But the sage draws us to God. He offers a gift of presence and the richness of soul that has lived long with God. Isn't that good? That is, I can't recommend all of his works, but that's John Eldridge from his book, Fathered by God. And listen to one more excerpt. Here's what it says. It's a matter of presence. A sage does not have to be heard as a warrior might and does not have to rule as a king might. There is room in his presence for who you are and where you are. There is understanding. He has no agenda, nothing now to lose. 
What he offers, he offers with kindness and discretion, knowing by instinct those who have the ears to hear and those who don't. Thus, his words are offered offered in the right measure, at the right time, at the right person. Pause real quick. That's what I'm talking about. The man who lacks, the pastor who lacks sobriety of mind is always beating people with a mallet over the head, crushing them for not knowing what they think they should know. But the man who has sobriety of mind walks with understanding with people. He understands proportionally the issue at hand, and he understands the person that's sitting in front of them, and he doesn't crush them. And that's what Eldridge goes on to say. Here's what he says. He will not trouble you with things you do not need to know, nor burden you with things that are not yet yours to bear, nor embarrass you with exposure for shortcomings you are not yet ready to overcome, even though he sees all of that, for he is wise and compassionate. When I first read those excerpts, inside of me, I thought, I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of man now. God, give me sobriety of mind. That's what the call to pastorate is about. One of the things the call to the pastorate is about is walking with clear-mindedness and not walking in drunk-mindedness, we could say. That's what I want to challenge you with today, is walk with sobriety of mind. And if you lack it, get in the Word and pray, and by God's grace, one day you could be qualified to be in pastoral ministry. And if you are in pastoral ministry, we can always grow in sobriety of mind. We need this, and so we need to get into the Word, trusting that God is going to grow us in that area. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.